guessed it, Pressure Points, with your two sleepiest hosts. I'm Snorri D, and this is Restless Leg Syndrome AJ. We're coming at you with Season 4, Episode 4, John Keel and his wonky space neighbors. Let's get ready. I forgot my shit, but who cares? Find us on Twitter and Instagram. Solid start. Man, that's some top-tier intro right there, man. Oh, yeah. I started out strong, went downhill. This is why everybody tells their (laughs) friends about us. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back. It's another wonderful Biden-run nation. I'm not afraid to look at the news anymore. Yeah, man, me neither. Just too sleepy to look at the news. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm pretty pretty sleepy. So how you been? What's new? Oh, it's great. I got all my shit from that, 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 that last auction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sitting right here in front of us. Got some. Talk about this shit real quick. Soviet Army belt buckle, Soviet Navy belt buckle with the original belt, and East German belt buckle. Fantastic. And then I got a nine or nineteen eighteen eighty eight Tories U.S. Navy razor strop with a. It's a straight razor like shaving kit. Do you hear it? Some sweet little ASMR. Now shave yeah. your face. Uh, he was right actually doing the, it earlier, and he was pulling hairs out because it was too dull. Yeah, it, I need to restore the blade a bit, but <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Didn't mean to win those. Oh, yeah, totally forgot. I have these over here to show you. Yeah, what is it? Okay, so we'll, we'll just describe it. I like this one. Uh, yes. Describe that. It's a sticker. Is it, this is a sticker? Mm-hmm. It's a postcard. Is it a postcard? I think it's a postcard. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it is. Okay. We're not going to tell anybody what these yeah, are. Yeah, isn't that one cool? And then this one's cool too. Wow, this this thing is also super cool. Yeah, um, no, the first one, it's it's it looks like a thin blue line flag, except instead of stars, it's uh, <laughs> upside down pentagram with a goat's head in it. <laughs> and then it's a round sticker, same thing, goat head. Upside down star, TST. Go ahead and, uh, without reading my name off directly, go ahead and describe that little card. AJ Pussy McFarkle. Yep. Oh, shit, I read your phone oh, name. Oh, no, Fuck. no, cut the feed. Satanic Temple Officials Sodalis Sodalis Sodalicious. <laughs> Sodalicious. <laughs> Ave Satanas Ave Domine Inferne MMXXI. What? I don't know. That's what it, it's 2021. Give me that. So it's a little black card. It says the t- satanic, satanic, <laughs> satanic, <laughs> satanic temple, and it's got the it's silver, but it's like all reflective and rainbowy. My membership card came. I'm an oh, official yeah. Satanist Jew now. We're all so very proud. Too. This is the cool one. Oh shit! You I have got like a an certificate. actual certificate. That's oh yeah, fucking cool. I paid twenty five dollars for this certificate. That's sick. Yeah, it's got like skeletons and. The Satanic Temple Certificate of Membership to whom these presents shall come. Be it known that by virtue of authority vested in me, I hereby constitute A.J. McPussyfarkle, a member of the Satanic Temple, Lucian Greaves and Malcolm Jerry. They have the most perfect names <laughs> as the leaders of this this religion. You organization can say religion. religion? Yeah. Oh, okay. Belief system. Hell yeah. Uh, watch out. AJ and I might be uh, 
pop into your door for some missionary work for the Satanic oh, I, Temple that would be here awesome. in a few weeks. Oh, that would be great. Knocking door to door. Or like offering a, a puff. Yeah. Like, hey, you, you ever heard of Satan? You ever wanted bodily autonomy? <laughs> exactly. As a religious right. Yeah, right. Fantastic. What you been up to? Oh, not a fucking thing. Uh, you should probably, like, get a job or go to school or Yeah, anything. they should be pulling us back in office here pretty soon. So that's depressing for me. I can't be, like, a late 20s CEO anymore. It's justice for me. Yeah, I know. Because I've had to work this whole fucking time. <laughs> uh, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done anything. Uh, big news, though. Um, apparently, this nation oh, yeah. <laughs> has taken a step back to 1984 <laughs> because your boys have been censored on Teespring. Some of our merchandise was removed because of disinformation that we were spreading. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unbeknownst how dare to they? us, honestly. It wasn't disinformation. It's the truth. The things that we posted, as far as I knew, it was all very truthful and upfront about how truthful it really is. Um, our phone cases on our merch store were under the store name, The NSA Isn't Real. <laughs> and I guess Teespring took offense to that. Or someone reported us. Or the you, NSA too. If you reported us, please tell me. I would love to just, like, I appreciate it because it was the most interesting thing that's happened to me in, like, three months. And I laughed my ass off when I got the email. I text AJ. I was like, yo, some <laughs> of our shit. I thought our whole store got removed. <laughs> I'm glad. I was like, oh, shit, they fucking cut us off. That's hilarious. But, yeah, uh, if you reported us. That's fantastic. Just take credit. I'm not going to talk shit. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so Fantastic. Or be fucking censored. Fucking censorship. Fuck. That's ridiculous. I'm going to a capital. What is this? Oh, God. So yeah, uh, that's what's mainly new in my life. Oh, wonderful. I forgot that we were going to mention that, and you said 10 <laughs> minutes ago you were going to mention that. Oh, further proof of how sleepy we are. Yeah, no, it's a it's a sleepy day. It it's is, man. Sleepy day. Been doing too much homework. I slept on the worst fucking memory foam mattress <laughs> last night. But it's so soft. Uh, the problem is... to your body. Okay, so my girlfriend's parents are bougie sons of bitches. And it's great. It's wonderful. Like, we like... So, her parents have a little dachshund that they don't like to leave home alone. And they'll go down, like, to Salt Lake or Park City or whatever, and they'll go, hey, we're going to be out of the town out of town for the night. Uh, will you indeed, like, come watch the dog and you guys can just kick it? We're like, yeah, for sure. So, uh, last night we we got over there, and it's nice because they have rich people snacks. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, bro. So that's like gushers yeah. with the actual s- more stuff in him? Yeah, like like imagine Ooh. like fucking like a cheese board. Like Trader Joe's uh brand gushers. It's oh. like fuck yeah. Like foreign chocolates and shit. It's amazing. It's that's amazing. Fantastic. I hate the 1%, but damn if it isn't it is nice that her parent her parents aren't that rich. Yeah, I was going to so. say they're not I the wish. 1%. That would be awesome. 
That would uh, be great. But no, like... You'd propose right away. Uh, no, still wouldn't. You still couldn't mm, convince you me. You would, and then you'd you murder still, her and take the money. You still couldn't convince me to get married. Um, but we... They also have this huge fucking tub. Yeah. Like, so big that for it to be effective with bath bombs, we had to use two large bath bombs last oh, night. Amazing. And they were, they were mint... I almost said flavored. I don't know if they were mint flavored, but they had like they had mint leaves in them, which That's after both bougie. of them had like run out, it looked like uh, like mint green, but then it looked like you just sprinkled oregano on the top of the bath, <laughs> and so it got stuck to both of us. She's like, do you want help getting all these off? It's like, nah, that shit will just dry off, and then we can brush it off the, the mattress later <laughs> when we wake up. Uh but oh, yeah, that it, sounds like, like my honeymoon. Incredible. The, the only thing is that, like, I don't feel comfortable sleeping in her parents' bed. Okay, totally understandable. So we'll sleep in her old room down in the basement, but the only other mattress in the house, because all the other kids moved out, the only other mattress there is like this, I swear to God, it's like a 400-year-old uh, memory foam mattress. So you lay down on it, and you sink like... A half an inch, and you're like, okay, this is memory foam. And then it's like, okay, well, now it's just if you were to dehydrate a fucking sponge, you're like, well, this is not going to go well. So it's so concrete yeah. molded to your body. <laughs> I just did not do it so well last night. That's so, okay. Uh, we'll make yeah. this a fast one. Yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a little bit grouchy, a little bit slow to the draw today. It's going mm. to be like a stoned D episode. There will be nothing different. Yeah. You're so always grouchy and slow to the draw. This is very true. But yeah. Solid. Oh, yeah. And we got uh, we got mood lights. You can't see them. Yeah. AJ bought D some, some cute mood lights. Snap the chat. Show the red lights. Or snap the chat. Put it on the Instagram. No, right now on your, with That's... your phone. Yeah, uh, but this uh, is uh, going to be two weeks out, so no. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, just do it now out of context. <laughs> and then when people hear this, they'll go back and be like, oh. That's why that was there. They won't be able to see it because it'll be on the store. Oh, here, take a picture of this belt buckle. Uh, I bet that sounded we'll do nice. We'll it after the episode. All right, I'll fine. forget about You're it. You're going to forget yeah, about it we'll by then. We'll forget about it by the end Good of the Good luck. Episode. You guys won't ever hear this. Oh. So, you, you chow down in the, on those Reese's. Yeah. <laughs> peanut bummer cups. <laughs> Reese's penis butter sucks. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite candy. Fuck. Uh, right. We need we to should... get Sweet Tea back on. We really show. do. Oh. As a regular. Should we... be our third host. Yeah, we can. We just need to uh, actually talk about something and plan stuff when he's around. Nah, fuck it. We'll just pull him on. <laughs> Put him on, make him do all the work. Yeah. It's what we already do, so it's fine. All right, so... so who is John Keel? John Alva Keel was born in 1930. He died in 2009. He was an old fuck. He was like almost 80. And he was a pretty cool dude. He's... He was a researcher. He wrote for uh, newspapers and radio and television shows. He wrote the occasional pulp article. Like one of his more famous ones was, uh, oh, let's see. It was something to do with, <laughs> are you a sex fiend? <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I, I have it pulled up Maybe. right here. It's for me to know and you to find out, John Keel. He, at a young age, about the, tw the age of 12, he had his first story published in a magician's magazine. <laughs> what? Yeah. He, he, was, he was a writer, but he liked, you know, 
sleight of hand tricks. Our backstory sucks compared to John, man. Right? I mean, I, I did balloon first, animals I and card tricks. Never mind. We uh, AJ's very first uh, public stunts were making balloon animals for children that he later molested. So, yes, he is registered Perfect. in the state of Utah. No, I'm not. No, because I mean, you, uh, yes, be, I am. Because you live too close to a school. Yeah, I would get kicked out. Yeah. Actually, the the art the name of the article is "Are You a Repressed Sex Fiend?" Beautiful. I love old pulp shit like a that. A repressed sex fiend. Yep. Are you a repressed sex fiend? Oh God. That was probably sometime during the fifties, <laughs> if that. I love it. Forties or fifties. So. That's almost as good as the uh, the book thing we saw earlier. The book the, thing? The, oh, yeah. How to, how to stuff your bikini or whatever the fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, well, let's, let's move on from that and not explain it at all. Yeah. So he joined the army during the Korean War, and he worked with the military as a propaganda writer, which is pretty cool. It's fitting. I mean, yeah, he's already fitting. got it set with that fucking pulp yeah. writing. He knows his shit. He left the military and worked as a radio correspondent in Paris, Berlin, Rome, and Egypt. So he spent a lot of time out of the States. He traveled a lot. Did a lot of research. During this time as a working in the military and working as a correspondent, he his side hobby was exploring some magician shit. Exploring some anonymous anomalous Anonymous. <laughs> anomalous like uh, phenomenon. Okay. I can't say that fast together. Anomalous That's, phenomenon. I mean that that wasn't bad. Call me Slim D. I D won't. shady. I will not. My grandmother just texted me. I'm glad she doesn't listen. Yeah. God, Grandma. God. recording. Quiet on set. <laughs> All right. So he, uh, yeah, he. You, you text mm-hmm. AJ during recording again. I'm going to put you in a fucking home. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. So he, he had this interest in magician's tricks that kind of followed him throughout his life. Which is interesting because normally you drop that shit when you're 14 and you learn what <laughs> you learn what vagina is. It's, uh, this feels a little bit too familiar for AJ. <laughs> so what happened with your balloon animal work? Let's just say that balloon popping fetish exists. Uh, we won't get into that. That's another we're just going to grace past. Oh, yeah. So he was an avid like on the ground reporter. A lot of reporters, these types of reporters, people who research the paranormal are very much reading through reports and compiling shit and writing books. It's very rare nowadays that you get somebody who goes on the ground to investigate sightings and and shit like this. So he he was like a fucking trailblazer in this field. It was fantastic. And he was around just at the right time. Like he was born in 1930, so in the 50s, in 1950, he was 20. That's the perfect age for the UFO phenomenon. That's where it really started to take off. So he, his first book, he traveled to India to investigate the Indian rope trip trick. Have you ever heard of that? No. I love this. This is These are like street performers. Oh, okay. Like those tricks. So what will happen is there's a basket on the ground in front of a magician and a magician's assistant, which is usually a 10-year-old boy. And then the uh, magician does something or plays an instrument or something. And the lid of the basket lifts off and a rope uncoils. Similar to like a snake? Yeah. And okay. just completely, you know, unsupported, and it goes straight up into the air, uh, usually like 10, 12 feet up, and it's just sticking straight up. Huh. And then the magician's assistant will climb the rope, 
And then if you're really fancy, he'll disappear at the top and reappear in the crowd. If you're regular, he'll just climb down and then the rope will go. Yeah, the, it's if you're extra fancy and can afford twins, then he disappears <laughs> at the top and it reappears in the crowd. Right. Definitely. So honestly, yeah. all of that like street magic shit. I love it. Like, oh, yeah. I know it's all sleight of hand. I know that it's all just I mean, how the like, fuck do you describe that sleight of hand? How do you sleight of hand stiffen a rope enough to climb on it? I'll show you a stiffened rope that, with a little bit Quit of Quit pushing a rope. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, no, even no, I get it. if it's legit magic or whatever, it's just, I'm like, I like this. I I like that people have it as a hobby and they share mm. it. I think it's fantastic. No, it is. It definitely Like, blow is. my mind with some weird magic trick stuff. I know that you probably didn't, you don't have breath that turns the cards from blue to red, but <laughs> yeah. it's cool. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's definitely mostly sleight of hand and shit. But his, his entire thing was there were a lot of rumors going around kind of the West on these, you know, crazy trick uh, tricks. So I'm going to go to where they come from and see if there's any validity to it. Uh, I'm going to go to, you know, to actually try to find some of these people. So he, uh, you know, he did that. It was a pretty, pretty dang successful book. He contributed to the magazine Flying Saucer Review and a lot of different similar publications. Flying Saucer, uh, yeah, Flying Saucer Review, still pretty dang good source for just reports of UFOs and shit like that. <laughs> his his first uh, his first article in there was probably right alongside L. Ron Hubbard's. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Ah, that fucking asshole. <laughs> Under the fiction section. <laughs> Well, that's the thing with Flying Saucer Review. Oh, God. They don't have a fiction section. Yeah, right. It's just all fiction. No. <laughs> it's all truth. It is. I mean, you know, there's got to be something to it. Yeah, I mean. Something fucking terrifying to it. Why do you... Question. Mm -hmm. Why do you do this to yourself? I don't want to talk about it. I'm curious. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, a part of the phenomena itself is... Uh, very often, when you start to look at a certain aspect of this overarching phenomena, like if you start looking at Bigfoot, or you start looking at UFOs, or you start looking at mole people, or, you know, whatever it is, a lot of times, the deeper you get into it, the more it kind of looks back at you. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, a lot of authors, you know, even active authors today report, I think Nick Redfern is one, he's basically the modern day version of John Keel. Okay. He's got some good shit out there. Um, it's just usually more short form and more dry, like research style stuff, which is cool. I like it, but it doesn't translate well to the show. But he, when he was writing his book on women in black, it was the first book to to gather up a bunch of reports of people uh, encountering men in black, but they were women. He had a bunch of weird men in black style events, like people calling his house. And when he picks up, it's like a metallic voice on the other side speaking gibberish or, you know, saying something weird or random power outages that only affected his home but not that his neighbor's house is or, mm. you know, a lot of weird shit. You know, yeah. people sitting outside of his house in a black car just watching him all day. You know, just, just like little things that on their own are like easy to explain away but when you have a lot of them all at once, it's like at what point is it more than a coincidence? Yeah, it's like when you search on Google how to storm a capital or... 
what happens if you kill a congresswoman. Yes, exactly. Normally, things live... will start popping up and you'll start seeing more CIA members in your in your hometown. How to live tweet. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that shit. Okay. I'd so, really like to talk about so that So that's more, what intrigues but... you about it is, is the fact that the more you look into it, the more it kind of manifests itself? Well, it's that – to me, that kind of points out the – validity behind it not the validity but the almost consciousness of oh, it okay. in general like the awareness of the phenomena itself it it knows kind of thing yeah like it, it is aware of what is happening around it kind so, of things which we get into a little bit later and i don't want to spoil a lot of things i a lot of it is it's i'm just intrigued in in your aspect and like your outlook on it mm -hmm. Sorry for that if that came through. I got an email or something. <laughs> um, do you – so obviously you have fears when it comes to alien abductions. Just like, yeah, UFO shit in general. Yeah. So – and I know that you look into it because you're intrigued and because you want – it. like you feel more secure knowing everything there is to know. But doesn't it scare you enough? Yes. Like that you are looking into it? Yeah, that, that aspect of it is terrifying. That it will look back? I mean, we'll see. That's another another part of it is, yes, I'm terrified of that for some reason. Like, I don't even understand why it's so, like, just creepy to me. I think it has to do with people not remembering experiences. And we can talk yeah, about that. I have a firsthand I, experience with that. I was going to say, that. I think we talked about that in uh, the one at the end of season three. Did we? Is that you didn't like that they had the ability to control your outlook. Like, you I have say, a firsthand story about that. We can talk about that. I'm pretty later. sure. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. But for those who don't remember, it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but along the lines of you didn't like that they were able to control your perception of it. Yeah. Yeah. To a point. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That's part of it. So... Ugh, it's it's not good. But at the same time, me wanting and enjoying kind of trying to see, is this real? Like at, at this yeah. point, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of stories. There is a lot of veridical evidence of this. You got Jacques Vallée, who spent his entire life doing this, who's currently, even though he's an old ass man, um, putting out the call to get materials left behind by UFOs to be analyzed. And like there, there's a lot of veridical evidence for this thing, but there's not any like hard solid proof as far as we know um yeah. it's so, still you know, it, it's all a, up in it's, the it's air. up in the air so if yeah. i can you know look into this and then something fucking weird happens to me not only is it a great episode for this podcast but then for me <laughs> now i believe it and it feels recognizable because you've looked into it enough yeah yeah okay. well that that's just like you know cause and effect you look into it yeah, something yeah. usually will happen so i'm hoping that me taking advantage of that doesn't just make it not happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Intriguing. I like it. Oh, it's it's gross. I don't even remember where we were at. Uh, Did you I were talk talking about the magazines. Yeah, you were talking about the magazines. Sorry to, to derail. No, 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 no. I just I derail know, it. Yeah, derailing. That's what uh we're gonna make a new T-shirt that says that. Mm -hmm. Um, it'll get removed. I <laughs> uh, I just know that there are people that are intrigued as to why you're so fucked up about. UFOs, I can, and I don't yeah. blame you. Um, and I know we went a little bit into it in that last one. I just, I really wanted to get some some clarification. So thank you. Yeah. So I'll I'll share a story at the end. Remind me. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring of it a back more up. firsthand experience with 
this in general. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> so he really was, he was an amazing researcher. He discovered that the majority of anomalous phenomenon occurs on Wednesdays and Saturdays. <laughs> You're more likely to see a UFO or a ghost or have a cryptid encounter on a Wednesday or a Saturday. Well, thank God, because Thursdays are my busiest days. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's pretty nice. <laughs> Just, it's it's nice of them. He also uncovered things called window areas. That's like uh, ge geographical locations where this type of phenomenon is more likely to occur. Oh, okay. And one of those, that kind of goes into missing 411 a little bit. Missing 411 seems to be kind of, a, if you don't remember, we've talked about that a little bit before. That's weird disappearances. They're usually in national parks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are considered window areas or... Um, where was it? There's there's a cattle uh, cattle mutilation window area along the third parallel. The, um, you know, the longitudinal latitude. It's mm -hmm. a 33rd parallel. Along that line, I, I saw a map of it a while ago, but you get the majority of cattle mutilations in the U.S. occur on the, on the 33rd parallel. Hmm. The majority of UFO sightings occur on the 33rd parallel. Really? Pretty, pretty weird. You know, maybe... I was going to say maybe that's just, you know, picking and choosing the data, but yeah. that's all the data. But, yeah, I mean, it's fair, yeah. It's a fair outlook on yeah. it. Yeah, it's really weird when things start to line up like that. But that all stems from John Keel's style of research. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else was it? I totally lost my place. You going to adjust in your chair? Yeah, no more bougie sitting back. Uh, all right, I'll sit up. Okay, there we go. <clears throat> he also discovered... Or he had a hand in discovering uh, flaps, they're called. So that's like incidents that happen within a set time. Instead of a geographical area, it's a time period. So the UFO phenomenon in, or abductions or mutilations will happen in flaps where there will be a whole bunch within these, you know, six months, these eight months, the this year. And then it'll go pretty much completely quiet for a decade or, you know, for whoever knows how long. And then a bunch will happen all at once. Oh, okay. So usually the waves in the window areas go hand in hand. So like in the window area, it'll be clear for five years and then it'll be crazy busy and just tons of like Thunderbird reportings or cryptid sightings or UFO sightings. I see. And then it, it goes quiet. Huh. So he, he was really good at looking at the data and collecting these reports from across the United States and in some cases across the world because he would travel everywhere and just boil them down to these really smart observations that still hold true. Like, uh, let's see, there was, there was a UFO flap in like 2015, which is crazy um, because, you know, it's so, uh, it's so uh, recent. A lot of this data, because he was super active during like the 70s and the 80s, um, <clears throat> that it, it's cool that it, it, a lot of his stuff kind of manifested itself later on. Yeah, it, it showed itself following the same cycles kind of thing yeah okay so it wasn't it seems to be more than just him trying to sell a book yeah yeah not just him coming up with some wild concept to put out there mm -hmm. it's like even after he's passed passed away it's like, like yes these, these ideas are continuing to show themselves it's it's still a valid uh way Theory. of looking at the yeah. data yeah yeah that reminds me, um, the airship flap of 1897. Have you ever heard of that? Huh. So, 1897, pretty, you know, that was a long time ago. And uh, 
there people started across the United States started reporting a wave of airship sightings. That's like dirigibles or yeah. like like an airship, like a yeah. big balloon yeah. with a like basket under it. Fucking Hindenburg. Like. Yeah, shit like that. A lot of people, one, one report was, or a lot of the reports will be they land and then they collect some water or they get some metal or some supplies or some rocks and shit like that. And then when the farmers or the, the witnesses approach them, they say, hey, how are you doing? And the, the people, they just look like humans. Mm-hmm. And they just reply and say, hey, you know, we're doing good. We just need some water for our boiler. Or, hey, can you go into town and get me this piece of metal? I'll pay for it. And then he gives them like some gold gold chunks to go buy this metal, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And that kind of gets into the, uh, oh, I, I totally forgot what it was called, that Arrow Club. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, there was just this big wave in 1897 where people were seeing airships. So it seems like throughout history, the kind of UFO flight style weird shit that happens is always just a little bit ahead of the technology that we currently have. Like in 1897, they were airships. Yeah. After that, people would see like more similar to like stealth jets. And then after that, people saw silver cigar-shaped UFOs, and then they saw saucers, and then they saw, I think we're, those, that's kind of where it's still at, is the saucer and cigar style, but it's more often the saucer. So it seems like that kind of evolves through through the time, hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. Yeah, if, if something is trying to portray itself as more advanced than us technologically and they can just change the appearance you don't you, wanna, you don't want to yeah. do it so far ahead that we don't have a concept of it just in 1897 it's like it's a fucking boeing a fucking, yeah just like uh blackbird fucking whatever I don't, <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know shit about planes but just like some stealth bomber flies up and these people are like what the what fuck, the fuck is, that? is that yeah i only just now know about light bulbs what the hell yeah. is this <laughs> Fantastic. Um, he also popular popularized the term. He coined the term essentially "men in black." Oh, okay. Which is kind. We're, we talk about that more towards the end, but he, yeah, men in black are like a lot of times they show up after a, a cryptid sighting or a UFO sighting. The experiencer will, you know, go put in their report or do whatever. A lot of times they don't even report it. And then these, you know, two dudes in black suits that are kind of tall, weird, thin. A lot of times they're they're uh, reported as having heavy makeup on, like bright red lips, like uh, over, they look, yeah, overdressed up more or less. It's like no, like sickly amounts of makeup. Like why? Oh, okay. But then, like under the neckline of the foundation, they're just like grayish, sickly looking. And a lot of times they, they talk funny, they talk kind of robotic, they don't seem to understand basic, like, nuances of human civilization, like how to use a fork. No, no. The thing is that they're they're not seeing um, aliens, they're actually just seeing Canadians. Mark, Mark Zuckerberg's family. I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that, that's essentially it. <laughs> that meme. <laughs> that is the men in black. Um, let's see. Another weird one is, and kind of, sh- you know, as an example of how they change over time is earlier on, a lot of times they were seen with a uh, skin color that's close to like someone from India. 
and they would always ask for, they would like consistently for a long time, they would ask for water and drink just like a shitload of water. And then they would ask for salt. And that was only after we started putting iodine in the salt. Um, and people would describe that a lot of times they were, they were looking for iodine. Like uh, there's a lot of, or there, there was one experiencer who actually asked them, like they were taking pills with the water and they were just drinking a ton of water and taking a ton of pills. And he said, well, what are you taking there? And he's like, it's iodine. And then kept drinking water. <laughs> Jesus. But then they, after that kind of, the term that was used back in the day for that was oriental, even though that's not really accurate. Yeah. That kind of ruddy complexion, I guess. I don't know. Um, it kind of changed to the really weird pale dudes in black suits. Interesting. So, it, it's really weird. I, I like the men in black phenomenon because you get a lot of weird, like, gaslighty type shit. Yeah. And for, for a long time, people view men in black, or a lot of people view men in black as, like, government agents. Um, you know, people from the government, people from the military, shutting people up about UFO sightings and things like that. Oh, uh, because of the movie. <laughs> Before the movie, definitely. <laughs> But it it's shown time and time and time again that a lot of times they do claim, hey, I'm from the Department of Interior, I'm from the Air Force, I'm from the military, and they sh will show a badge, and the person will put down the badge number and the name, and they don't exist, they don't exist. or, you know, or the, uh, <laughs> one of them, it was just the, the entire department didn't exist, in quotation marks, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my ideas on it is they're probably in when I talk about men in black, I'm not talking about the military going around and questioning people. You're talking, talking about, about the, something the else. Alien phenomenon, men, men in black. I mean, you can say alien, but I kind of agree with John Keel in this case. In uh, 1967, he completely rejected the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Really? Yeah. After years of studying it, he basically said, fuck it. These aren't these are not aliens from another planet. There's no way because he was able to observe an overlap of psychic and UFO phenomenon. And if, if they were aliens, why would they show up after a dogman sighting or a Bigfoot sighting or after somebody sees, yeah, a ghost or uh, a lizard man or something like that? I like I love cryptid cryptid reportings. <laughs> I think they're so ridiculous. And so many people report them with nothing to lose and nothing to gain <laughs> or everything to lose. Because they're just, you know, lose their jobs and shit. Yeah. Like the, uh, what was it? The leprechaun in Alabama. Do you remember that one? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some old shit. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so what does he believe that they are? He... Just anomalous beings that kind of bring that anomaly to them? Or like he... they're kind of uh, surrounded it's, by it? It's weird. He called them ultra terrestrials. Okay. That's kind of where he went with it. He claimed that... It's all one thing, essentially, like ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, demons, fairies, um, you know, cryptids, vampire, you know, all, all this weird shit is the same thing. Pretending to be these different things for its own reasons, whether it's trying to get something from us, whether it's I trying see. to create a fear in us, whether it's trying to gather our water supplies, because there's a ton of stories about UFOs just draining water tanks, whatever they're doing it's he claims and, and believes that it's all the same thing it's the phenomena in general is all related together and i i kind of see that with with how much i've looked into this kind of stuff um, so yeah so the link would be that bigfoot is a 
one of the men in black, but they're just they're, they're I, different in, manifestations in a really broad of the term, same thing. Disguised as Bigfoot, not quite. Or like they're all they're it's all. It's more like the phenomenon has manifests in different ways. I see. Based okay. on the experience of the person who's witnessing them. Okay. So like. Uh, so like. Though they're not the exact same, like, shape or... It's not the same, like, being. Yeah. Being a UFO flying around and then being a yeah, man in black yeah. and then being a thing. No, it's more encompassing. They're all, like... Okay, I, I get what you like, mean. Like, I just can't really describe like you my work point your, of view. Yeah. Or you don't work at all and sit on your ass all day. I go to work all day. But we're both humans. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. Probably not, not a good metaphor. Um, he never puts out an idea put out an idea of what they are but he has um speculated that it could be some kind of interdimensional thing based on people witnessing weird portals and things coming through or it could be i mean based on a lot more than that that's just you know putting it in a nutshell you know based on yeah basically it's it's there's something else and it's related to humans in some way whether it's harvesting something from us getting something from us um, because it always seems to want to put fear and uncertainty into people. Because if you see a UFO in the sky and then you go home at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that was weird, but whatever. But then you start getting visited by men in black and you're getting weird phone calls. You're going to be put on edge a little bit. You might even be yeah. afraid that you're being fucking stalked now. And it seems like that's what they want. Like when people see Bigfoot or have Bigfoot encounters, it's generally with... Uh, you know, there's generally fear present when people see or have uh, dogman encounters. Generally, people are fucking terrified when people have bedroom invaders or uh, hat men encounters or humanoid encounters or ghost encounters. Generally, there's some fucking fear there. So so the, the one one theory is maybe they're harvesting that fear in some way or they get something out of that that energy put out from that fear. I don't know. But, you know, it's his idea is it's something else. It's not aliens. Yeah. Okay. All right. But then at the same time, he totally, um, like, he, he wouldn't put it past it that, I mean, there's a chance extraterrestrials could visit us because obviously it's an infinite universe and infinite, you know, shit could happen. But he said that maybe some of these extraterre extraterrestrial visitors that people have been seeing this whole time, maybe some of them were... Are, are like an advanced earth civilization somewhere or maybe they are an interdimensional thing he, he always uh, put forth the idea that you know maybe there are people traveling from not somewhere in our universe but somewhere in another dimension traveling and coming to us as a separate thing to the phenomenon as a way to kind of because not not everything kind of fits the idea of the phenomenon in general, like yeah. there are some outlier cases and maybe those outlier cases are people traveling from another planet in another dimension. I don't, I don't fucking know though. <laughs> his, his, oh my God, I, I can't understand how deep he was into the research. I can't even with imagine. This. I'm going to go over his book list. Oh Jesus. In a little bit. And it is crazy. Like he, he made a career of this. He spent so much of his life. And I love it because towards the end of his life, he basically threw up his hands and said, I give up. I cannot find, I cannot understand the phenomenon. With yeah. all of his research, 
I have no idea what's going on. I think they're all the same thing. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why they're here. I don't know what they are. After decades of research. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I mean, and I, I'd imagine you kind of hit like a plateau with it where until you've actually had these encounters yourself until it's like a regular thing and you are able to actually study them, you wouldn't really be able to do much, much more. Yeah, you're, but he did. Only... He had encounters his entire life. Oh, no, no. I'm oh. saying like, like, yes, he has his encounters, but he can't study them further outside of those encounters. Like he can't go up and say, hey, uh, can I interview you back in my place and you just answer all the questions? Oh, well, have yeah, for to you. the men in black. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I mean is you kind of hit a plateau with it where it's like he is getting encounters, but mm-hmm. but it's like they're they're too good. They know he's looking at them. Yeah. So they're, they're not slipping up. They're yeah, not giving him more. Information. There's only so much he can do before mm-hmm. it's just either everyone thinks he's insane or he just can't collect any further information. Mm-hmm. There was uh you know, and kind of transition to the second half of this part. Oh, my God. That lasted a lot longer than I thought. Sorry. This is going to be a longer episode. <laughs> he. Uh, no, not he. Let me let me restart. So in areas with UFO reporting and sightings, there generally tends to be a higher incidence of Bigfoot sightings, men in black sightings and um bedroom invader sightings this is more than just like shadow people more than just uh like the hat man or things like that this is a specific seemingly physical manifestation similar to a bigfoot kind of thing so i'm i like the i don't like the idea i'm going to talk about the bedroom invaders this was a really famous article that he put forward kind of as a preview to the book the Mothman encounter, or the Mothman, Pro- the Mothman prophecies. Mm-hmm. So this was in a magazine. I think it was in Flying Saucer Review. I've had a PDF of it forever because it's it's really good. It's full of stories. It's full of a lot of good information. So I'm just going to talk about that for a little bit. In these UFO flap areas, there are a lot of reports of broad-shouldered men wearing capes or cowls, or capes with cowls, really, really tall, and a lot of times they have really long fingers. Like, Ooh. like a third, almost Jesus. almost double like the length of slender, regular hands. Slender man style fingers. Yeah, except not sharp. Yeah. <laughs> just, just really inhu- long. inhumanly long. Yeah, and for some reason, that's the part that really creeps me out is the fingers. I just think it's gross. Because they gotta they gotta put them in just the right spots. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> sorry. So in Caterham. England in 1963, eight, um, <laughs> a group of eight of these cowl-wearing people were witnessed by a ton of drivers just on this on this kind of highway because they were leaping across the road, like they would run faster than a human should run and then jump and over the road. Get all the way over it? What the fuck? In one jump. And then the you know people driving the car were like, what the fuck just happened? They'd stop and turn yeah. around. What year was this? 1963. Oh, Jesus. They'd stop, turn around, and they'd be gone, and they're just fields. Yeah. And they'd be like, what the fuck is that, and just drive fucking home. And so that happened over and over and over again. Um, You know, multiple reports of this. And uh, it's fantastic because it's really similar to back in the 1830s in England. You looked at the, you know a little bit about this, I think, of uh, 
the reports of Springheeled Jack. A little bit. A little I, bit. I, I saw know it you were a talking very about a long time bit. ago, but yeah. Yeah. So he, he, basically, it's a black cowled figure with a cape. I, I think in the, in some of his reportings, he was wearing a top hat, mm-hmm. but he would accost young women and shoot fireballs and then jump over buildings and fences. And it wasn't just one or two accounts. It was like, it was multiple. It was like over a dozen. Yeah. There were a lot of people that had reached out and they were like, uh, what the so fuck? this fucking dude just jumped over a building after shooting a fireball at me. And so they, they coined him Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, he would jump over like, uh, you know, 1800s England, like tall brick walls, yeah. stone walls. He would jump over that as people were like coming out of their house. They always thought he was there to mug him. But as far as I know, nobody ever reported actually getting mugged. He would just like be there, kind of intimidate them and then jump. And if they tried to fight back, yeah, launch a fireball. Essentially out. just cause chaos and fear and get the fuck out. Yeah. So he... Is kind of in the in the same the same type of entity almost, but maybe that's just you know jumping to conclusions with that. I just think it's hey, cool because that's from jumping. Ah, oh, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, cause I just think that's cool because it's so long ago from the 1830s. Like that's pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> they've been witnessed as the pilots of UFOs, which is pretty weird. Apparently, some of the some of the airship flap sightings were from people as they were flying by, they could look in to like the cockpit and it'd be just somebody with like cloth covering their face. Just a big broad shouldered dude huh. with a cowl on with slits for the eyes or they would wear goggles. That was another big thing, which is really weird because if you're, you know, a more than material entity or an immaterial entity, why do you need fucking goggles? Why do you need an airship? (laughs) Yeah, so... Because he has bad eyesight, dude. (laughs) uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have bad eyesight, so I can say that. And he's he's flying a spaceship. So in the... There was a ghost airplane flap in Norway, Sweden, and Finland in 1933 to 1934. A lot of times it's played off as the Nazis flying weird airplanes. But some of these were really weird, like in this cigar-shaped craft... There, they were. I don't remember which country it was. It was one of those three. Um, they were flying airplanes because you know getting ready for the war and shit like that. Well, they were just flying airplanes. War hadn't quite started yet um, in their area, I believe. God, I'm drawing a blank. I think you it was had, a little. Uh, it was after 39 that. around 1939. Am I wrong? Well, no, but the Nazis were definitely. Doing, they were up to shit by now. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Preparing for war, they didn't know where war was coming. But they, they were, they knew the Nazis were up to shit. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, that's kind of sorry. That's where I was trying to go with it. So they were flying some airplanes. They come up to this weird airplane that they don't know how to describe, and they've never seen anything like it. And in the cockpit is some dude wearing goggles with cloth like wrapped all over his (laughs) face, and he had a cape wearing all black, and he just looks over at him. They wave, and then he just flies away. <laughs> that was a weird-ass SS officer. Yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? That was that was a good old Adolf right there. Yeah, right. But he had just shaved his mustache. That's why they didn't recognize and him. And that's why he put cloth on his face. Yeah, so they wouldn't see his mustache. He covered his whole face. So they wouldn't cloth. see him without a mustache. Yeah. He had just gotten back from uh, stealing some Egyptian... 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some Onks. Egyptian arch- artifacts. Yep. And he was like, yo, these mummies know what to do and wrapped himself up as a prank. Ah. His Nazi flying buddies are like, what the fuck is Adolf up to? Adolf. And he's just like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) I think that's how he laughed. Yeah, uh, if if he ever laughed. If he ever laughed. No, there are some videos of him laughing. No audio, though. He looks toothless in them. He does. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. So I, I think that's cool. The ghost airplane flap in that area. From, I think it was the fall of 1933 to the spring of 1934, there would just be sightings of airplanes, like like military airplanes, not from another country, like from the country that it's flying over. Oh. But the military didn't have any airplanes in the air that day or in that area that day. Things like yeah. that. Weird shit. There's a pretty cool, although to put it on a podcast would be extremely boring because it's basically, you know, 20 of the same stories I walked outside, I heard an airplane, I looked up, there wasn't an airplane. Or I walked outside, I looked up, there's an airplane, but there was no sound. Oh. And that's it, just over and it's over and over again. because it hasn't gotten to These are like biplanes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that high. No, man. These are SpaceX-level spaceships. That's true. <clears throat> I mean, you know, they were that far ahead. It was Elon Musk. He had gone back in time to fuck with people piece of shit that would be great that he was probably spring hill jack too fuck that guy yeah with his he just had his flamethrower jesus christ right his handheld his, his yeah and then a jetpack flamethrower mm-hmm. jesus uh, fuck elon if you're listening i mean elon, just... fuck elon but also elon uh tweet about dogecoin because i need to make some money yeah <laughs> <clears throat> let's see where was i okay right there so now we kind of moving into the 1960s. It kind of went quiet for a while, but it seemed like these kind of, I wish I had a better name for them. I'm just going to call them bedroom invaders because up to this point, they haven't been invading the bedrooms. No panty raids. Oh man. Yet. Okay. It's the sixties okay. now, the swing in sixties. And it seems like it changed. They started to appear in bedroom windows. Like some dude woke up, looked out his window and there's just some dude who's got a cowl on, his face is in shadow, but he's smiling, and you can kind of see, because it, it was dark, but it wasn't pitch black, you know? And he freaks the fuck out. The thing leaves, looks out his window, and he's, you know, on the third story, and there's not an eave below him. The <laughs> thing was smiling because he was trying to see some some 1960s wiener. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Who Some wouldn't? 1960s man bush. 1960s uncircumcised bush. Oh, uh, yeah, baby. Um, Let's see. When chased, a lot of times they would be able to outrun anybody who followed them, no matter who they are, even if they were in cars. And they would. They were known to leap over eight-foot-high walls and fences in one jump. And this, this happened, you know, a ton of times, like dozens of times. People would People reported this, I should say. One lady in uh, McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey. I was going to say North Jersey. (laughs) North Jersey. In New Jersey, she was in another room and she heard a weird sound coming from her bedroom one night. And she saw that the window was open. She had had it closed and locked, but the window was open and there's a long-fingered, pale hand just like reaching over it. The uh, the into the window, and I'm sure I've told uh, this story before. This because this is the one that I don't know has a such a good reaction to me. And 
she fucking screams. I would fucking scream. That's yeah. terrifying. And that the hand, like, slips out of there. Ugh. And she calls the base police and says, there was a fucking prowler trying to get in my window. And they, you know, they mobilize the military police. This is a, this yeah. is a lockdown base. Yeah. And, of course, they, you know, she locks up her windows. There's a, they say they um patrol around her house every once in a while to make sure she's okay and to stay safe and then they kind of leave it at that for her meanwhile they have reports of this prowler running around not just her other people have been calling it in and they they see him during these patrols and it's extremely tall dude with his shoulder pulled over or his shoulder with a oh, sweater oh god that a, fucked me sorry. up for i was like oh god what no no sorry a sweater pulled over his head like he was wearing a sweater, you know, when you're putting yeah, on a sweater yeah. and it's over your face, yeah. like that. So his arms are kind of up and really weird, and he's super tall and lanky and has these really long limbs, and he is fucking booking it. They're chasing him with dogs and jeeps, and he's outrunning them. Jesus. <laughs> and he he's just fucking sprinting, fucking <laughs> like stupid, <a> fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, but he was able to outrun them. He would jump over buildings. He would jump over walls. And they never saw him, like, jump the fence to leave the base, but they eventually just stopped seeing him. Like, he kept jumping over buildings, and they would send people over there and, and see him and keep chasing him, and they'd have people all over, and eventually he just disappeared. Hmm. Nowhere. Didn't go nowhere. Which, you know, you'd think if you were on a fucking military base, you'd be you'd be shot pretty damn quick, but... Yeah, you'd think you, if you were inside the U.S. Capitol, it'd be the same thing, but, you know... Yeah, you know, we're... That's gonna... <laughs> that's got That's a lot of... A lot of content for this podcast. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Q. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Q. You guys really hooked it up for us this season. Fantastic. Thank God for those... Those, uh... Undercover Antifa agents. Oh, anti-Antifa. Yeah. No, undercover Antifa, yeah. Yeah, they really they really helped out with uh, some jokes. So really I appreciate it. love the whole Antifa <laughs> thing. Stupid as fuck. I won't derail. I'm derailing. I'm derailing. I'm AJ railing. AJ railing. No. <clears throat> oh, God. <clears throat> oh, yeah, baby. One of the weirdest things about John Keel to me, one of the weirdest kind of events that kind of stuck out that I really loved because I've read a couple of his books. I need to read. I want to read all of them because he did some good shit, but they can kind of get tough to get through because it's just case report. Yeah. And I'd then a little bit of insight. And then Mothman Prophecies was good because it wasn't just a list of events. It was this is my story of investigating the Mothman sightings. It's like his his writing is very technical writing. Yeah. Most of the time it's very technical. So if you're going to read any of them, read the Mothman Prophecies. Because it's more the story of the investigation with the investigative points in it. Um, which is weird because he actually mentions a story from, I think it's Provo, which is cool. Oh. There was a Thunderbird sighting back in like the 40s. Thunderbird, how so? Huge fucking bird flying through the air. Jesus. People were running out of their house, looking to the sky and screaming like the whole town saw it. And, Jesus. And that's what nothing that's ever fucking talked about. Huh. Yeah. It was just crazy. I mean, it was a pretty small town back then, but... But even then, yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly the date, so don't quote me on that. But it was a long time ago. <clears throat> but he... When he was researching, like, in the field for the Mothman prophecies, there were a bunch of times when he would go and interview somebody who had reported, oh, I saw the I saw something like Mothman 
and it would get back to him. He had a contact like in the newspaper and in the town hall. So when people would report him, they would tell him who they were and he would go ask to interview him. And it was time and time again, he would go in, he'd introduce himself, he'd sit down, you know, in the parlor and have some tea <laughs> and be talking to the lady or the dude and be like, hey, you know, what did you see? Tell me the story, all this stuff. And they would be acting really, really fucking weird. And he'd pick up on it and eventually ask, like, hey, you know, is everything okay? And eventually they'd get kind of frustrated and be like, why are you asking me all these questions again? You were here yesterday. You were here what? two days ago. Or why were you here two days ago and you didn't ask me about this event? Why were why were you here on my porch three days ago, but you asked me about how, uh, how good my phone service was? What the fuck? And, yeah, these, a bunch of people reported him, a doppelganger of him... Jesus coming and interviewing them. Christ, what the fuck? Yeah, and that, that's kind of one of the weirder things, I think, from his, that experience. He's had a bunch of weird shit like that happen before. But, oh, now I want to talk about the Dan Aykroyd weird shit that happened to that guy. But, yeah, I'm, I think we talked about it before. Or I just read about it and thought about it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I've heard of it. No, yeah, so weird shit like that. Weird doppelganger, men in black style shit. Fucking terrifying. <clears throat> so now if you'd like to, I've got, uh, I'll share my story. I've got a couple men in black encounters to talk about. And, you know, we can, we can call it, call it an episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're doing so, good on time. Um, yours was an encounter you had when you were a kid, right? No. 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 Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing. We've okay. had this conversation before. I don't know what you're talking about. You know me. I was here three days ago. Why are you what? asking me the same questions? Who? Okay, so John Keel, his works include Jadoo in 1957, The Fickle Finger of Fate oh. in 1966. That was a spy novel. Saucy. Uh, Operation Trojan Horse, Strange Creatures from Time and Space. Those are both 1970. You got Our Haunted Planet, 1971. The Flying Saucer Subculture, 1973. The Mothman Prophecies, 1975. The Eighth Tower, also 1975. Uh, you get Why UFOs, 1978, which was a reprint of Operation Trojan Horse. Lame. You get Disneyland of the Gods. I have no idea what that one's about. 1988. <laughs> it was uh, his experience uh, going to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, going to time. the Epcot Center. The Complete Guide to Mysterious Beings, 1994. That's a revised version of a previous book. And then there are some, like, uh, selected writings of John Keel or collection of the Fate magazine articles um, and stuff like that. Because when he, after he died, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven books were published after he's passed away already. And that's just from people he left his writings to going mm -hmm. through it, stuff he was working oh, on wow. when, he, when he gave up or um, cases that didn't have a finish are officially being um released which is super cool he had a shitload of notes that just never saw the light of day so a lot of them are, are coming out now um let's see so the, the something that fucks me up about the ufo phenomenon is the ability to come and go as you as they please and nobody even remembering it mm -hmm. it happened to some very good friends of mine they were sitting on a, like a swing chair, and they were just in the front yard of their place, probably just talking, 
swinging. I don't know. That's just what we did back when they lived over there. They had this nice swing chair. You know, one of those, like a porch oh, yeah. chair, but they didn't have a porch. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it was pretty dark. And over the back of the... So they're facing the street. Mm-hmm. House to their back. Over the back of their house comes a fucking huge black triangle-shaped thing. Low. Come right over them. And then just, just keep going straight. And it, it had lights on the bottom. It had lights on the top. Like signal lights, almost like an airplane. And it was just pitch black blacker than black um and it went and they basically said to each other well that was weird and then kept talking about what they were talking about before was it loud no oh just like totally from silent. what i remember it was pretty much silent jesus and that's the part that that happens that seems to happen very often is people will experience something fucking weird and not freak out about it yeah. And there's a lot of speculation that that's on purpose. That's like a self-defense or something, something to keep the phenomena hidden, because they they'll just not put any thought into it, and that'll lead to them forgetting about it entirely. So like the the next day, uh, one of them told me about it, and I wrote it down in yeah. my phone. I don't know why they didn't think to hey I should write that down. Hey that was fucking weird. Like let's talk about this. Let's see what's happening. No, it was just like an offhanded thing. It's like, oh, I saw something weird in the sky last night. And I had to like ask them more, ask them more about further it. Further probing. It was just like they were so disinterested mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. It was so so I, I really had to, I do my best to not ask leading questions. The The only leading questions I asked, the only leading question I asked was, did it seem darker? Or did it seem blacker than black? Everything else was pretty, you know, not, not leading questions. But they, uh, it, you know, we kind of left it at that. I made a note of it, forgot about it, kind of kept... I didn't forget about it. I just kind of, you know, moved on with your life and whatever happened. A few months later, I got him in, in the back seat of a car and I mention it. I'm like, hey, this is the first time I've seen them together for a while. Do you guys remember this thing? They didn't remember it. Oh, God. They didn't remember it. I kind of pushed him, probed him, didn't remember it. Even to this day, he will say, he has said that... No, I never forgot that thing because I eventually like told them what they what he had told me. Mm-hmm. And then it was like they remembered it. Jesus. And I, I have to keep reminding them, no, no, you forgot about this for months. And then and then we, we talked about it and, and it came back. But you completely forgot about this. I have it written down that you forgot about this. Jesus. So now I, I keep track of anything weird that happens to people around me, I keep track of it because somebody is going to forget about it. And then that makes me terrified for what if I've seen something and I completely (laughs) forgot about it. Like tons of people, it seems, are able to like undergo some type of weird abduction style phenomenon, completely forget about it for 20 years until something reminds them of it. Or they go through uh, like a hypnotic, they go under hypnosis for something and it comes through just randomly or just some weird shit. I don't like it. Fuck that. Seriously. Like, I don't want to know if I'm being probed by little greys all the time. I'd want to know, but at the same time, I'm glad I don't. <laughs> yeah. It's like an ignorance is bliss. 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 Ignorance is bliss. Fuck, ignorance I need to sleep. God damn. Nope, not yet. I know. Let's Fuck. see. Ignorance of bliss. <clears throat> Ignorance of bliss. 
So I want to go to some of the more... Okay, let's see. Gray Barker was another researcher who was active during the time of John Keel. Um, he actually also investigated the Mothman shit at the same time John Keel was, so they kind of worked together. Um, <clears throat> so Gray Barker, whilst investigating Mothman near Point Pleasant, found a note on his door, Abandon your research or you will regret. You have been warned. They didn't know he... Ooh. Like, nobody knew where he was staying in town. Yeah. They... A lot of these researchers specifically do not tell people where they're staying in town and make sure nobody follows them to their apartments because they get harassed all the fucking time, you know? So that that's a little weird. There's a lot of weird shit like that. Ivan Sanderson is another researcher. Same time period. This was like the golden age of, of anomalous phenomena researching. Uh, this was 1996. He was writing his book, Uninvited Visitors, when he noticed a car kept driving past his rural home in New Jersey. He noted down the license plate and then called somebody in, like, the DMV style thing. Um, gave them the license plate number and said, uh, there's no vehicles that have that license plate number. It's unassigned. Uh-oh. Okay, fucking weird. Uh-oh. Then, like, immediately after that, he was visited by two men in Air Force uniforms who asked about the book he was writing. They completely refused to show him any kind of identification, so he said, no, get the fuck out of my house. At gunpoint, oh. he pulled a gun on them. Jesus. Because, you know, when people in the military go to your house, it's they usually show you their ID before they come in. Yeah, they don't just And they don't refuse to. They're not supposed to, at least. So he got them the fuck out of their house. He called the Air Force Base because he knew people on the base. He talked to the commander who completely denied... Oh, I'm sorry if that went through. Oh, my God. I don't think it is. I don't know. I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't think... I'm pretty sure it doesn't go through. Um, but he... Yeah, he called the base and said, hey, these two dudes were just here. What the fuck? And the commander... I mean, if I was a commander, I'd deny it. Yeah. But, but the commander Probably denied it. Yeah. Denied saying he knew anybody about them and nobody was supposed to go... You know, nobody was ordered to go to his house. And then he... Uh, the base commander said, report them to the local police because they're impersonating uh, Air Force officers. That's a big deal. And then he, for a long time after that, for years after that, anytime he would be on the phone, there would be weird, like, electrical interference shit. He got bugged. He got bugged. They knew him. They knew him. I don't know why. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, I, li I like this one. This was 1967 in West Virginia. Black limousines halted in front of hill homes and deeply tanned census takers inquired about the number of children living with families. <laughs> Always the children. In several instances, the occupants of the big black cars merely asked for a glass of water. A blonde woman in her 30s, well-groomed with a soft southern accent, visited people in Ohio and West Virginia whom John Keel had already interviewed. She introduced herself as John Keel's secretary and basically getting in immediately. Not getting into their good graces. Yeah. The clipboard she carried held a complicated form filled with personal questions about the witness's health, income, and type of cars they owned, their general family background, and some fairly sophisticated questions about their UFO sightings. Keel never had a secretary. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, Jesus Christ. Weird as fuck. Like, yeah. who would even know who John Keel had interviewed? It's not like he worked for an organization. Yeah, and it... Like, he was just interviewing people was whose story was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was completely independently. Like, 
his list of interviewees was his a physical list, paper yeah. list that he had in a binder. Like, hmm. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, there's some there's some weird shit. <clears throat> Let's see. So contactee Woodrow Derenberger. So that was the con- he was a member of the contactee phenomenon where. Basically, back in the day, the dudes, the uh, you'd, you'd see a UFO and it would land and these tall, blonde, beautiful Scandinavian um, dudes and ladies would show up, come out and say, hey, we're from Mars or Venus and uh, you guys really shouldn't have nukes. Like, you should definitely not have nukes. And then they would always say a bunch of good stuff about communism um, or with communist undertones. And so that that's what a contactee is. Basically, they some alien showed up in front of him and said, hey, let's talk. So he, uh, let's see, he worked in an appliance store where two men with olive complexions and black, black suits came up to him and warned him to forget all about what you have seen. Um, he felt like, he was like, oh shit, those dudes were from the mafia. <laughs> like yeah. they, they had the kind of mafia feeling around him. <clears throat> Let's see. What's another short one? Those are some good ones. Uh, let's see. In May 5th, 1967, Mary Heyer saw the little man who had visited her in January on the streets of Point Pleasant. When he saw her, he ran off and leaped into a black car driven by a very large man. <laughs> so she had previously seen like a little a little man. Yeah. Like a little dude. And he did not like being seen again by her. And see, I'm going to scroll past kind of the Point Pleasant shit. Let's see. <clears throat> oh, here we go. Bill, May 1968. I scrolled a lot to get just one year. Weird. He had interviewed a contactee along with Brad Steiger, who's another researcher. He received a phone call detailing their movements, including where they had stayed and what they had ate. They had tried to keep their movements, uh, their, their movements secret because they had heard about the harassment of the of of other UFO researchers by the men in black, um, and then he started to have weird poltergeist like activity, like doors opening and shutting, faucets turning on and off, lights not working, shit disappearing, then reappearing in weird places. Started to have stuff like that, and twice a smallish man, cloaked in shimmering light, materialized in his bedroom. What the fuck? So that's fucked up. Surprise. <laughs> I'm here. And a light cape. Jesus, dude. Oh, here we go. Uh, June 1968. I love these ones. Yeah. UFO researcher Thomas uh, Wedemeyer of Jamestown, New York, was visited by a major smedley of the Air Force. Uh, He was interrogated, and it caused him to have this really weird headache. Like, he was just really stressed from it or something, you know. Who knows? But when he called the the Air Force base, there was no major smedley within the Air Force at all. And um, it was found by he contacted some of some other UFO researchers in the area, and they had also been visited by a major smedley of the Air Force. Hmm. Some weird shit. All right. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Just like the consistency of it throughout a lot of the encounters is like it's too intriguing to to just completely discount. Yeah. You can't just throw it all away. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. I think this should be the last one. Although I could just go on forever. There, there are hundreds in this, in this resource. So 
November 1, 1973. At the start of a UFO wave in New Hampshire, Florence Dow heard a thumping sound on her porch. What do you do as some old woman? You check. You check. Poked her head out the window. Looking out, she saw a man in a black coat with a wide-brimmed hat with what appeared to be a face covered with masking tape. To me, that's kind of similar to those cowled figures. Like, all you could see is slits for the eyes, and I could see how... Fuck ton of masking tape. So either it was a meth addict, a very well-dressed meth addict. (laughs) Yeah, right. Who got into a supply store. Yeah, or something, something fucking weird. Jesus. Imagine that. You open your front door... Some dude's just wrapped up in tape looking at you. Fantastic. Fuck that. I wonder, I would love, do you know who Dan Aykroyd is? Yeah. Actor? Yeah. Star of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he's pretty outspoken of, like, uh, you know, acknowledging UFOs. He's come out and said, hey, I've had UFO-type experiences before. Which is pretty cool. <clears throat> Let's see. I believe he was uh, he witnessed a UFO back in uh, 1952 in Washington D.C., which is pretty cool. They were outside the Capitol building, and they weren't Molotovs. Oh my God! <laughs> it comes back. We've come uh, full circle. I love it. I was gonna look up the Dan Aykroyd UFO era Men in Black experience, but uh, you know. Unless you can talk for about three minutes while I'm reading it. Man, I'm lucky to get like a sentence out at a time right now. Yeah, I feel that. (laughs) Yeah, no. He, yeah. So I'm going to talk about him at a later date because his story and experiences are really cool. And I mean, he has so much to lose for going on record about this. Like, like he's an actor. He could fucking lose his entire career. And that kind of, to me, shows, you know, maybe some validity of. He saw something. Yeah. It was probably Bigfoot who would transform Transformer style into a UFO. He saw cone heads. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Stop. That's not even... Way to, be... Way to put a downer on the end of this episode. That's a movie that he was in. He was one of the cone heads. Yeah, but it's gross. I don't like thinking about it. Big old eggs. <laughs> Those big old noggins. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, all right. Well, I think that was a good one. That's a long. Yeah, that's one of the longer ones we've had for a while. Long one for this season. Um, yeah, so ugh, sometimes you can catch me when I'm awake. Sometimes you can catch me when I'm basically asleep for the full episode. It was still a good one, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, but, yeah, find us on Instagram and Twitter at Points O Pressure. Follow the links in our bios for our Patreon. Huge shout out to Toddle Waddles, oh, Casey no, McFacey. No, hold on. No, someone changed their name. Hold on. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, oh, you fucked up. You I'll doing? do it. God damn it. <clears throat> How are you guys changing your names? Why are you doing this to me? Where's I finally my, learned Where's it? my download screenshot? If it's who I think it is to change their name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at them. Where is it? I know. Oh, I took a picture of it. It wasn't a screenshot. I'm sorry. I thought I was ready. Thank you to D's Nuts, Nordic Thunder, Sexual Vanilla, Dark Runner, Haley, and Casey McFacey. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. You know, like, favorite, whatever. Just the best thing. Yeah, if you like shout. it, if you like the show, if you're having fun, maybe you got a friend who would also like it. Yeah. yeah Let that, people that know about us. 
Yeah, you know, slide into their DMs or yeah. like their IRL DMs. Exactly. Send links, whatever. But yeah, uh, we, always we reach out it. for new show ideas, suggestions for anything. Oh yeah, and uh, tell us how much of shitbags we are. Exactly. We'll uh, catch you next Monday. Yeah, we'll see you Thanks then. Thanks again. See you guys.